My parents sold our family home in my early 20s, just as I was getting back from three years at boarding school and a year in New York. So I felt like I missed the house even before they sold it. And if I'm being honest, it kind of broke my heart. It was so beautiful, so calm, so familiar. My dad had designed and built it. And even though a bunch of bad shit happened inside of the house, I still loved it. There were little corners of the garden I could hide in, and when I'd come home from boarding school during the holiday weekends, my friend Vicky would typically pick me up at SFO and drop me off at the top of the hill. And before I'd even announce that I was home or snuck into my bedroom, I would sit in the rose garden and watch the fog roll over Mount Tam and see like some of the little twinkling lights in the city. And it was so quiet and beautiful. And I just, I loved it. The thing about your parents moving before you're ready for your parents to move is that a lot of your stuff gets lost. I was always documenting my life, whether it was via diaries that would inevitably get me in a shit ton of trouble because my mother did not respect my privacy and she would read them or the thousands of pictures I captured via throwaway cameras because I just wanted all the memories, the good ones or the bad ones. Every few months, I would write down everyone's phone number and their address and any other <laughs> like identifying markers so that I would always have a record of how to get in touch with people and I never, never wanted to lose touch with anyone. I was nostalgic before even giving myself a chance to miss anything. My mom threw away a lot when they sold the house, and she threw away even more when she moved out of that apartment and then moved again and threw out more shit. And by the last time that they moved, I actually was the one that packed them all up. During the pandemic, I drove up with my wife and we packed up the rest of the remnants of the belongings of my life, which were not many, but I grabbed and salvaged anything that I could. and. Not shocking, a uh, little box of my diaries was found. And one of them is really kind of the only one, if I'm being honest. It's a blue diary, and I started it the summer of seventh grade, and I finished it my freshman year of college. <laughs> Woof. What a chunk of time. I have never had a diary since. I sort of replaced diary writing for songwriting in my early 20s. And so I didn't really kind of need to write twice. But I also had a blog. It was really the genesis and the beginning of Listen to Liz. And I documented my dating life in San Francisco. It was first public. And then it had to become invitation only when my dumbass was dating two dudes at the same time and was writing about them. And they read about each other. Back then, <laughs> couldn't edit blog posts on your phone. I'll never forget being at Ocean Beach with my friends one day and getting like insane text messages to my Razor phone from a kind of like the nice but lame guy about the hot guy who didn't like me at all that I was passionately into. Um, and I had to get in a DeSoto cab that cost me $30 to get to the nearest computer to log in and update my blog post um, and delete it. He broke up with me anyway, so that was sort of the end of that. Um, right now I'm sitting on my living room floor 
And for the last hour, I've been reading said Blue Diary, and I have been cringing and wincing and skipping a lot of pages. I feel a mixture of sadness, embarrassment, and if I'm being honest, I feel a lot of anger. I like don't like reading this diary, <laughs> and I thought it would be a good idea to do a solo episode and you know, how funny it would be to read excerpts from the diary. But it's not funny, actually. I mean, some of it's funny, but it's sad. And um, I had an attitude and I had a fucking potty mouth and I was boy crazy and I was wildly insecure and jealous of all of my friends. And apparently I gave myself a lot of passes, which I can read you here from July 28th, 1998. Dear Diary, I just went out with Lindsay and she is so cool. I just love her to death. Mom was on my fucking ass the entire day, so I had a cigarette. I know it's bad, but I don't do it every day now, do I? During the school year, I won't do it at all, so I won't have to worry about it. Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> um, first of all, that's a lie. I would certainly be smoking during the school year, and I think my mom was always on my ass. But it's, uh, it's pretty cringe. And things changed and progressed in the diary quickly. I see patterns in my life, and I questioned everything around me, even myself, even my emotions. And yet I, like, blindly was so desperate from approval from men. And some things haven't changed. A lot hasn't changed, which is pretty funny. Um, this one is from about a year later. And uh, on May 20th, 1999, I went home during first period. Last night, I just fell apart. Bridget told me that her and Charlotte were going to a St. Ignatius party without me. So I was like, so pissed. I also found out that Lizzie is going to Thatcher. Great. I hope she has a shit ton of fun and makes all new friends. I can't take this anymore. I'm just so angry. It scares me. I could take this book and chuck it off a 10-foot ledge. I don't know why, though. That's what scares me. Six more school days and counting. I called Gio last night. I miss him. He got in trouble again, and he won't tell me what happened. This morning, our neighbors had a drug bust. I always knew they were drug dealers, and I would tell mom they were, and she would get mad at me. I don't know whether to scream or to cry. I just feel depressed. I met this guy named Sam at the mall. He's a dream guy. But he is graduating, not from eighth grade like me, but from high school, freaking high school, which is probably a bit of a problem. He will be around, though, next year, thank God. I hope if I have a daughter, she isn't like me. Today was just a portion of me breaking down. None of these bitches at school know me. They're not cool enough or smart enough to know me. They haven't taken the time to get to know me whatsoever. I just want to be an actress, and I just want to move to Los Angeles. Get on with my life. Get the fuck out of here. It's just hard. Life is so hard for me. It's so easy for everyone else. All these rich girls do is complain. What Prada bag should I buy? It makes me so sick. I fell asleep in math class today. 
but I didn't get in trouble. Anywho, all I dream about is getting out of here. I think I need to see Gio again. Grab him, hold him, kiss him. See if there's any feelings left. That's what they do in the movies, and I'm pretty sure it works. I can't get back with him because everyone hates him. (laughs) And the fact is, I think he cheated on me. Also, he probably cheated on me. I need to see him just for like five minutes. It's funny. I read this book, the pages that I've written about other guys. I didn't like them. I was just obsessed with them. I hate them now. But I do love Gio. Maybe I still do. Everyone I tell is like, what? He sucks. He doesn't like you. But for some reason, I do believe he does. Anyway, I'm going to call him. I hope he picks up. (sighs) I am going to have to deal with all of this shit for six more days. We shall see what happens. Gotta go have a smoke. Now, (laughs) here's the thing. Also, hi, Gio. I hope you're well. And I'm definitely going to tell you about this. I was in eighth grade. Like, what? I don't even know. It's it's a lot. Um, And the diary progresses like I said, pretty quickly, and it gets really intense. But being that I love nostalgia, being that I wrote everything down, and being that I was the person that always kind of documented things through photos, I also was the person that held on to like notes and pictures and business cards. I actually, I don't know where they are. I think they're in the garage. But I have stacks and stacks and stacks of business cards. In fact, my first internship was in 2003 at Capitol Records. I was the first hip-hop intern. And back then, like, everything was business cards. Um, Obviously, like, most people, like, some people had Blackberries, but not really. Like, it was, it was pretty, um, it was, uh, the currency was paper and they were business cards. And I spent, like, two months taking every single business card that this exec had and typing it into a spreadsheet in his computer. Some of those names were like Puff Daddy, Snoop Dogg, like Mass Jay-Z. And I always remember being like, shit, should I call these people? Should I steal these phone numbers? And then luckily, even at 18 years old, I'm like, that would be fucking crazy. And I'm not going to do that. So anyway, so I'm flipping through this book just now. And I see this business card right here. And it is pasted into a page with three dudes from the Navy. Terrell. Hi, Terrell. Hope you're good. This guy named Lalo, which is just a code number, which is confusing. A guy that I did end up dating in high school named OK. And I know that this is the code to get into his dorm room at Amherst College. But then there is a card right here. From Paulo Grady, Pacific executive producer of the Howard Stern Production Company, 555 California Street, Suite 5000, and a phone number. Now, I remember who the fuck this is because this was one of the craziest nights I've ever had in my life. So I'm back home. Okay, I'm looking. 2002. So that means that's junior year of high school for me. And I was back one summer, and I can't remember. I think I was at a club in the mission, and I had met him. And he was this Irish guy who had, like, a ton of energy. And he had told me that he was famous for streaking in 1996 at a Yankees game. And written across his back was Howard Stern for mayor. 
And I looked it up on the Associated Press. And um, it says a man who ran onto the field at Yankee Stadium during the 1996 World Series to taunt Rudolph Giuliani was sentenced to community service for criminal trespass. Says right here, Apollo Grady. I look it up. And it seems like he was interviewed on the Howard Stern Show. Now, again, you got to remember, 2002, okay? I go to boarding school. I don't have a computer. I don't have a cell phone. Like, I think I maybe had a pager still. But, like, information is not really out there. Like, you're not really Googling people. Like, you are, but, like, not really, okay? So, met him at a bar, and he gave me his card and his number, and he asked me out on a date. And I lied to him about how old I was. Obviously, I told him I was 21 and I was 16 or something. And we were hanging out. I said that I was staying at my friend Vicky's house, which I usually did. And I went to his house and he lived in kind of like Potrero area, if I remember correctly. Which for those that are listening, what that means in San Francisco is it's kind of like a no man's land as a neighborhood back then, meaning like, not a lot of people walking around, like hard to get a cab. Remember, Uber did not exist and sort of ransom. And actually, no, that's right. Did I have a cell phone? Yeah, I had to have. I think I had my brick Nokia where you like change the facade. And of course, I had a glow in the dark one because, like, why not? Like, raver for life. So, anyway, we go out for dinner and he's like, Do you want to go back to my house and have drinks? And I was like, Yeah, sure, no problem. And we go back and his roommate is there. And it was like an okay apartment, I remember. But I remember him being really weird and doing cocaine and asking me if I wanted to do cocaine. Now, the best thing about me, this diary, unfortunately, I binge drank a lot in high school. 10 out of 10, don't recommend. Smoked a lot of weed, smoked a lot of cigarettes, but cocaine, not for me. Never was, never will be, not for me. So he does a line of coke and he starts getting weird. Like, bopping around. He was a, you know, Bronx, New York guy, like tons of energy, but he was sort of like energetically freaking me out. And I was like, I'm going to leave. And he's like, well, the neighborhood is not safe. You cannot leave under any circumstance. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, I want to go. And he was being super weird. And he sent his roommate to go get alcohol from the corner store. So it was just me and him. And I'm freaked out and I'm like, holy shit. And this dude starts like showing me, I don't, I don't even remember. Again, this is like fucking 20 years ago. But all of a sudden, he pulls out a gun. Mm-hmm. You heard that correctly, a G-U-N, a gun. And I am fucking tripping at this point. I'm like, cool, I'm gonna get murdered in the middle of Petrillo Hill by this guy who works at the Howard Stern show and like, I, of course, blindly went on a date with him because I'm obsessed with being an actress, as we've all learned from second, seventh grade, me saying that I'm going to like, my life will be <laughs> forever fixed if I move to Los Angeles and become an actor. And he pulled out a gun and he starts like playing around with it. And I start to lose my mind. And I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're crazy. He's like, you can't leave. You can't leave. It's not safe outside. Stop being such a baby. Like, what are you a baby? I start to cry. He's like, you're being crazy. Don't cry. Don't cry. Luckily, in that moment, and he, the gun apparently was not, didn't have ammunition in it, but I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm like fucking 16 years old. And he's like coked out, freaking out. Roommate comes in. I scream, push myself 
through the door and I'll never forget it. It was like classic San Francisco, like low kind of, it's hard to describe unless you were like from the city, but it's, it almost looks like the bottom of a Victorian and it's like tiny. So like the windows are really small and the doors like are right on the street. And I fucking run and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran and I finally went, I think it's called El Pirata, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a dive bar. Um, there's a Whole Foods near there now. And I busted in and was crying and was like, oh, my God, get me the fuck out of here. So I never talked to this guy again. OK, but I've kept his card. Now, I'm sitting here having a glass of wine next to my little dog, Ravioli, looking at the Christmas tree, my life in the suburbs, Glendale. And I'm like, damn, I got to talk about this episode. I'm not sure if I want to talk about like all the trauma and how this diary unfolds. I might make this a series. I might come back to it. I'm being honest with you. This diary is not very easy for me to read. I like clearly was fucking going through it. And I don't know if that's what you guys want to hear. I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. Tell me on the Patreon. Maybe I'll read some excerpts on the Patreon. But like, this is pretty heavy shit. And I got to I got to start slow. You know what I mean? I just cool, cool, cool. Just started. So anyway, so I'm like, fucking Paul O'Grady, this motherfucker. And of course, now I'm 37 years old and I'm sitting here and I'm like, the Howard Stern. And I'm looking at this card and I'm like, that's such a bullshit address 555 California Street. So I start to investigate. And like any normal person, I now with the interwebs, I look up 555 California and it's formally the Bank of America. Okay. Which I'm like, all right, well, well, what else is in this building? And these are the tenants over the last 20 years. Okay. Also, Trump owns the building, which is just fucking the worst. So, Bank of America, Bank of India, Barclays, Dodge and Co., Fenwick and West, Goldman Sachs, Jones Day, Kirkland and Ellis, Microsoft, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo. Basically, you know what the fuck was not there? Howard Stern Production Company. So then I'm like, what the fuck? So I go on LinkedIn just now, put Paul O'Grady. Nothing comes up. I see Paul O'Grady, global media director at Unilever. I'm like, oh, that could be him. He worked at Howard Stern. Nope, definitely not him. Then I look up another guy, chief of staff and dean of pharmacy, Long Island University. Guess what, guys? Not him. Look up a guy in Wayne, Pennsylvania, actually where my wife is from. Nope, not him. And then it's like a shit ton of dudes who work in... Well, actually, this guy works in media, mostly at banks in Ireland. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. So then I type in Paul O'Grady, Howard Stern, and nothing comes up except for Ozzy Osbourne going on the Paul O'Grady show, giving him a birthday cake. Well, that's weird because that's definitely not the dude that I almost got murdered from in San Francisco in the summer of 2002. So before I type in his name again, I decide to call this phone number, which I'm going to do with you right here.
Hello? Hi, you've reached Corey. Please leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Who the fuck is Corey? Corey is not Paulo Grady, guys. So then I decided to Google this dude's name because Paulo Grady, Howard Stern, does not come up. And guess what comes up, you guys? I see his picture. His fucking obituary from last year, Paulo Grady. This is definitely fucking him for sure. Paulo Grady obituary. Hold, please. So it's him. He's from Yonkers. Definitely, definitely, definitely him. Paul was born on May 24th in 1973 in the Bronx. He is the youngest of six children and his mom's favorite, affectionately called Peach Blossom. At the age of 25, Paul set out on one of his many adventures and moved to San Francisco, where he built a plumbing business with nothing but his skills. But being a master plumber and builder, West Coast O'Grady Plumbing was only one of Paul's many accomplishments. What? He was a published author and a magazine model. He was a screenwriter and a producer. He was a diehard Yankee fan. Oh, yeah. And his short stint as a pugilist in the Golden Gloves, he never ceased to amaze us or his amazing accomplishments. He had a love affair with snowboards. What? He was a driven entrepreneur and an easygoing guy who's encouraged his employees to bring their dogs to work, which is really nice, actually, and gave his staff days off to go snowboarding. Uh, guys, I could go on and on and on. The, cr the craziest part is in the tribute wall. It's people being like, I met, I've only known Paul a year. I met him at a bar. This is heartbreaking. Okay. So I am now determined to fucking call any phone number that seems shady or weird that's in this diary. So far, I haven't really come across anything quite like Paul O'Grady, who scared the living shit out of me, and I thought I was going to straight up fucking die. I did find a couple of other phone numbers, but I actually know those people, and like, I don't really ever want to talk to them ever again. Um, oh, that's nice. From Matt Liable. Oh, God, what happened to Matt Liable? Anyway, guys, it was a wild ride. Dear Diary might become a segment, it might not be. Like I said, I might do a couple of these on the Patreon, but it's scary to revisit the past. I often sit here now with my life and I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? Like, I mean, I get it. And I always have a story to tell and all this crazy shit happened to me, but I'm like, why? And, and was I looking for it? Was I stumbling on it? Was I attracting it? I mean, clearly I was smoking cigs for breakfast in seventh grade. So like, you know, wasn't like I was a good kid. I wasn't necessarily a bad kid either. So yeah. Anyway, if you're listening to this and uh, you know you did me wrong, you're probably in my fucking diary. Because <laughs> let me tell you, I took no prisoners. You guys know how busy I am between the podcast, work, the dog, seeing my friends. It's a lot. All of a sudden, I found myself drinking like three to four coffees a day and then getting horrible caffeine jitters, which is honestly all bad. I tried a new energy enhancing supplement that I love called PlantWise Mind Spark. 
and I reached out to them because it was so effective. And now they are sponsors of Cool, Cool, Cool. If you want to get the most out of every single day and turn up your energy and productivity, try MindSpark at GetPlantWise.com. They even gave me a code. All you got to do is type in Listen to Liz 20 and get 20% off. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.